You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1034 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And today's show is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our Locked on Rooms. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. Today's show will be sort of laying the groundwork for, with some bullet points on the upcoming draft before I start bringing in guests for deeper dives, all that kind of stuff in the next few weeks. By the way, as you're listening to this now, the draft is less than three weeks away. It has come very, very fast. And it's time to start diving in, so that'll be most of what I do today, even in a solo episode, just going through sort of the broad, broad, broad takeaways and stuff to get you prepared for the NBA draft. So that's coming up very soon. First, a couple of takeaways from Nate McMillan's introductory press conference on Friday. Not a ton of news from that, actually, even with McMillan going for about an hour, actually. First in a conversation with the legend Bob Rathman as the MC, and he took questions from the media over at Emory in Brookhaven. That was an interesting uh, listen, to be sure. He did say that he was actually planning on taking a year off after being let go by the Pacers uh, at the end of the previous season, but then Lloyd Pierce called to offer him a job, and he also said he was tired of watching Family Feud and Jeopardy during his downtime. That was pretty interesting and kind of amusing from Nate. Um, he talked about how the organization aligned with what he wanted, and also that he thought it was cool to be able to just coach and not deal with all the outside noise when he first came out of the staff as an assistant. Obviously, that's going to change now when he's uh, the full-time guy and kind of already did with the media stuff that he had to do as the interim guy. But uh, I think it seems like he's pretty much recharged and ready to rock. He, he told a good story about how he talked to Trey Young about the movie Drumline also, which made the rounds a little bit, and how they could sort of mix the old school with the new school. Nate's reputation is definitely his uh, old school tendencies, but Young being new school, he did a great job sort of getting through to the young players, especially his best player in Trey Young. And uh, that, that, that's the success you're hoping will continue to translate as the uh, contract kicks in for Nate Millen. Also, I think he was consistently praising ownership with Tony Ressler and Jamie Gertz, in particular with Travis Schlenk, who's not an owner, of course, but is his direct supervisor <laughs> of sorts as the president of basketball operations. But he said the biggest reason why he signed on to stay in Atlanta was ownership. And also he mentioned Travis in that same thing. And the quote was that Tony Ressler will do whatever it takes to bring a winning team here, end quote. Also, he said for him personally that it's, quote, all about ownership, end quote, when he's signing on and sort of evaluating a situation as a coach because there needs to be an understanding about what the expectations are and also what's happening on both sides. And they have to be on the same page with something he definitely uh, was driving home during that interview. And he said he believes the organization um, is, is strong here in Atlanta, obviously, and that he helped them to accomplish the goals that both sides want. So not a ton of revelations in terms of news. In fact, there wasn't like anything to sort of break in with an emergency podcast on Friday from no uh, massive revelations, but I think pretty uh, upbeat, and I think at least the people that I saw and heard from, Hawks fans seemed to enjoy that interview sort of situation with Nate talking for a, a very pretty long time, actually, both with Bob and then to the media. I think the video and audio are still available if you want to find them. The Hawks ended up uh, sort of streaming this on Periscope via their Twitter page and also Bally Sports Southeast, the home of the Hawks on the TV side, also had the broadcast if anybody's looking to dive into that. So I recommend that if you're a diehard Hawks fan just listening to Nate talk. He's uh, very, very smart and uh, you know is comfortable with that setting. I think it was definitely more laid back than you know post-game or pre-game situation. You can just sort of talk the way um, his philosophies and that kind of stuff. So it's a pretty interesting listen and that is available for you if you can look to find it. All right, before we get to some 
Draft thoughts. Set the stage for the sprint that's going to be happening again about two and a half weeks from now until uh, until the draft hits, and it's a very, very busy time. Before we get to that, though, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors that there's something for absolutely everyone? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites. But if you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and available this week only, get the new Built Bar flavor, it's Grasshopper Cookie. What does it taste like? Well, this is Built Bar's version of the classic Thin Mint Cookie. All the flavor without all of that sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of sugar. My favorite flavor always changes, but this is one of my favorites. It's fantastic. And if you haven't tried all of the flavors just yet, you can get a mixed box where you'll get to choose. We'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are the Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're also very healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories range from 130 to 180, only 4 or 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 or 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, and all healthy. If you order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry, whatever you like, Built Bar is the place to do that, and it's the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, and get 15% off on your next order with the promo code LOCKED15. That's 15% off your next order if you use the promo code LOCKED15. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. All right, let us set the table a little bit here from a draft perspective. First things first, the Hawks have two picks in the draft coming up. They pick number 20 overall. That's their own first-round pick after losing a tiebreaker to the Knicks. Um, and then their number 48 overall pick is also in possession by the Hawks. That's not their own pick in the second round, but it's about where they were supposed to be picking anyway, so it's kind of a neutral valuation there. So 20 and 48 are the two picks. This is the first time since 2016 that the Hawks' first-round pick of their own is outside the top 19. So in 2016, they actually ended up trading for the number 12 pick, which became Torian Prince in the Jeff Teague swap. But technically, their own their own pick was DeAndre Bembry in that class at 21. Since then, that's the Travis Schlenk era beginning in 2017 with the draft. And he is, you know, spoiler alert, batted 1,000 in the top 29 picks of the draft. Uh, John Collins at 19 in 2017 was their first-round pick then. In 2018, they trade for Trey Young. They dropped Kevin Herter at 19 with the pick acquired from Minnesota and the Adrian Payne trade. And then also Amari Spellman at 30 with the pick that they acquired to take on Jamal Crawford in that class. 2019, they trade up for DeAndre Hunter, going from 8 to 4. Then they take Cam Reddish at number 10. And that pick that came from Dallas as part of the young Doncic swap. And then last year, it was a Collingwood with their own pick at number 6 overall. So, again, Travis is perfect, essentially. Not like the absolute perfect pick at every, at every slot, but obviously a lot of great picks throughout this. And no misses outside of Spellman in the first round. Even then, that was the third pick of a first round and the last pick in the first round. Less success after that, um, but still... When you're drafting as well as you have, basically, for Travis Schlenk in your Hawks tenure, you set yourself up for the success, and that's one of the big reasons why the Hawks are in this great position right now, roster-wise, is that they have no misses, basically, in the first round. Obviously, it's harder to draft at 20 than it is in the top 10, but Schlenk has nailed two number 19 overall picks with Collins and Herter already in his tenure, so he's capable of doing that again. Um, in general, my philosophies, um, there are only a few things that I basically hold on to like for dear life in the draft, and for new listeners... I'll sort of go down a couple things now. Um, one thing is something I joke about a lot, but it's also something that I actually do believe, and that is that rookies are bad. And that does not mean that rookies are going to be bad forever, but as rookies, first-year players in the NBA are quite often bad, and most likely they're going to be bad. Even guys who become stars are often bad. Even guys who become high-level role players are often bad as rookies, and that's something to keep in mind. Obviously, it doesn't apply to everyone, but... 
you know, even if they flash high-end talent and skills, and I'm translating, maybe maybe they're good late in the year, but in terms of their full first season, it's tough to be good in the NBA as a rookie. And only a small handful of guys can only function on a team that's going to be built the way the Hawks are. So the last several years on the podcast, we've been covering a team that's been rebuilding, and not anymore. This Hawks team is now trying to compete for the title. That's very, very clear. That was clear last summer as well, but they also had all that cap space this year. They're drafting lower, and they also are coming off the season where they were in the Final Four of the NBA. So, different scenario, quite obviously. But, um, you know, it's different to draft in this slot, but it's not impossible that the Hawks' first-round pick could help them this year by any by any means. But, this is something I want to be very clear about. In my, in my opinion, you cannot draft a player this year at number 20 overall based on what they might be able to do for you this year. That is not the reason... Nor, nor the purpose of the of this draft pick. This is to draft a player that can be useful for you down the line that you might want to take it slow with. But essentially, no one at 20 in this class is going to be one of your top 8, 9, 10 players next year, at least at the outset. Maybe you get lucky and you find this gem, but if you look at what the Hawks have coming back, even if you for even if you were to take Collins off the roster, which I think he'd probably be on it, but even if you go away from him, they have a bunch of guys under contract that are going to be better than the rookie is going to be. So keep that in mind. You cannot draft for need. Uh, Really at all, but I think definitely if you're as loaded as the Hawks are right now, you want to draft the best player available in general. So, you know, they're a deep team. It's definitely possible for them to find a guy that can play a bench role for them this year. No question about that. Um, kind of in the way that Kongwu did at the end of the season. But even Kongwu was a top six pick on a team that wasn't quite going to be facing the expectations that this team is going to be facing. And he wasn't really a helpful player um, until the second half or even, you know, this, the last third of the season. And he was um, quite obviously more talented than most guys you're going to be able to find number 20 in the class. He was a, a big-time prospect. So speaking of all of that, my general philosophy in the draft is that best player available is the move. There are exceptions to that, but I think far too often, especially in mock drafts and settings, people talk about fit. And fit definitely matters in terms of like organizational fit and scheme fit and all that stuff. But in terms of just like plug and play with rookies for that for next season, not a good idea. So taking the best player available is definitely something that I would recommend. And also Travis Schlenk has been pretty pretty consistent about that messaging. That's how they view things. I think last year is a great example. And I like the pick. I praise the pick. Um, taking a Kongwu last year was a good example of this. No one could tell you that a Kongwu was a need pick last year. They had just, they had just traded for Clint Capella with three years left on his deal, and they drafted and they drafted a Kongwu who, you know, even if you think he's more of a combo big, I think he's more of a five personally. But even if you thought he wasn't, they had Collins and Capella under contract, and they still drafted a Kongwu because they thought he was the best player available. So that's important to sort of reconcile that. That's a good example of that. And he, you know, on the wing, you almost can't even go wrong with just taking wings over and over and over again, which we'll get into later on. But Best player available is the thing to do. So, going back to that wing example, obviously the Hawks have a lot of wing talent. They have four firmly entrenched wings with Hunter, Bogdanovich, Herter, and Reddish. But in my view, if the best player available is another wing, you absolutely would need to take that guy because if all things are equal, you just can't have too many wings, for example. Um, in terms of like fit stuff that I think the Hawks actually could consider on some level, the only one that like really screams at me this year is it'd be hard to justify drafting a center-only prospect at number 20 overall. That doesn't mean it's impossible, in my view, but unless you saw the center as a, you know, clearly the best prospect available, and I mean, and by, by that I mean like a tier, or maybe even two tiers ahead, it'd be hard to draft that guy based on the fact that they already have a Kongwu and Capella on the roster. Now, we'll get into situations later on, but maybe there's one guy that could get there that I might see, but there's, if, if basically if it's like a run-of-the-mill guy at 20, I think you, they pretty much cannot take a center in my view. Um, the other one that I wouldn't love, this is less 
less glaring in my view than center. But the only thing that I wouldn't love in a vacuum is that it's taking a small one position point guard that can't play with Trey Young. So again, this is a very this is a much lesser concern than the center one. And I think it's easier to argue for a position point guard than I could for a center at 20. But realistically, you know, it's not it's not the worst outcome in the world if the Hawks get someone that, that they th- think can be their long-term backup point guard at 20. That's not a bad use of resources. But ideally, if you're going to use a first-rounder there, you would try to find someone who fits that perfect archetype next to Trey of someone who can play behind him and also with him. We'll get into some players later on that might be able to fit that bill. Uh, for obvious reasons, a lot of mocks are projecting the Hawks to draft a point guard. I have no issue with that. I think the only thing that's uh, just worth considering is that Trey Young is going to be playing 35 to 38 minutes a night for you in, per- in perpetuity. He's your best player, and there is some diminishing returns on a guy who can't play with him. If there's somebody that could play with Trey, that actually is a pretty interesting idea. But for now, that's, one, that's the only other thing that I would say in terms of fit stuff behind center. In the end, I'd be casting a pretty wide net here and taking the best player remaining on my board, unless it was a center or potentially a small point guard. But either, any, any other position, basically, I'd fire away based on my own evaluation. I will keep saying this, but what you don't want to do is worry too much about the role for next year. If the Hawks draft like a 20-year-old wing in this class, it is very possible or even likely that guy does not play much at all this year. And by the way, that's totally fine. The Hawks are now in a, in a position, I know it's different in the last few years, but the Hawks are now in a position where you don't want to have to be relying on a rookie. You're trying to win at a high, high, high level next year. This is not a developmental team anymore. So one example that we'll get into later on is Zaire Williams, who is a pretty intriguing prospect. But if he's on your team next year and you're the Hawks, he probably isn't going to help you win next year. But I would like him on the Hawks at, at 20. It'd be a pretty decent pick in my, in my view. But this is why you have a G League team. Uh, and by the way, even, you know, pretty much there's no one in this class that I can I could realistically pick at 20. Like if, if a guy falls, a guy falls. But I'm not sure there's a single player available at 20 in my mind that I would put in the top 9 or 10 of a Hawks rotation for next year uh, on day one. Maybe by the end of the season, but keep that all in mind. Um, same thing about a point guard, by the way. I'd be at least somewhat surprised if the Hawks drafted a point guard at 20 and also didn't do something else. Like for me, if you draft someone like Trey Mann or you draft someone like Sharif Cooper in the first round, those guys are interesting prospects, but... Um, especially in October, November, they're probably not going to be very good. Um, and the Hawks might want to have another uh, veteran option alongside them, whether it be Lou Williams or whatever you want to say. I think I would not just draft a guy at 20 anywhere, but a p- particularly back at point guard, and say, all right, this is our only plan for back at point guard next year. Not, not a good idea in my, in my view. So we're going to situations as we get going, but that's sort of a broad overview of my philosophy and all that stuff. If you're a new listener, hopefully that's an important uh, on some level to you and most of the time, I'm actually going to stay out of the way. And when I have guests on, I try to tee them up. I will offer some opinions for sure. But I try to give you some experts and people that I think are smart on this topic. But that's sort of my broad overview. After the break that we're about to get into, we'll get into some players. Uh, at least name some names and guys that are going to be on the radar that you'll hear about in the next couple of weeks. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. And the first of which is betonline.ag. Even with the season over now for the Atlanta Hawks, BetOnline is still your home for the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season, for example, is still in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline, get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the latest great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. 
Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their run to the playoffs. And even when they're in the playoffs, head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Yes, that's checking out betonline.ag for 50% and extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code is Locked On for 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, and the last segment today will be uh, just a bunch of players, and we just got a name. I'm not going to go too deep on anybody at this point in time, but there are a bunch of players that I'm either very sure, like very, very, very sure, will be gone by 20, or at least pretty sure. You know, last year we were able to do some really good deep dives, I thought, with Brian Schroeder and others about players that I thought would be available at six, and you're casting a lot smaller of a net at number six overall. Um, There were probably only seven or eight guys that the Hawks, in my view, could have realistically taken at that pick. This year, that number is a lot higher at number 20 overall, both because of the uncertainty ahead of you and because it's fairly flat from like 15 on, in my view. Um, there are a couple of different tier breaks in this draft, but you know, there's not a lot that would totally stun me at number 20 based on what I've seen, and so I wanted to at least talk about a lot of different guys today. Um, at the top of the draft, there's a top four consensus that are not going to be available for the Hawks once they do something crazy and trade up. Um, Kate Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, and Jalen Suggs. Those guys will be gone. Um, you'll hear a lot, about, a lot about those guys. I'm maybe even on this podcast at some, at some point in time. I do like to talk about the draft beyond the Hawks, but for, for today, those guys are off the table. Um, then there's a bunch of guys who, again, I think are going to be uh, gone with uh, somewhat of conviction for me. And that's Jonathan Kaminga, Scotty Barnes, James McKnight, Franz Wagner, Moses Moody, and Josh Giddy. Those are That's 10 guys that I am pretty much you know, 100% or at least close to it, confident that they will not be around, barring some crazy, you know, medical change, something like that. I've not really talked to anyone that thinks any of those guys will be in the mix at number 20 overall just because they'll be gone by then. And there's a couple more guys um, that I'm closer to that group, but there's a group that I think that I would certainly guess or probable, I would say is a probability they'll be gone. That's Davion Mitchell, Corey Kispert, Alperin Sengun, Kai Jones, and Keon Johnson. Now, I have seen mock drafts or at least been involved in mock drafts when uh, guys like Kispert or Jones or Johnson slip at least almost 20, if not all the way there. But I think that's unlikely. And I think Mitchell is closer to the first group even. Um, You know, there's some split on him, but there's enough teams that I think like him a lot to where he's not going to be available, I don't think. So that is, you know, that's 15 guys basically that I have some confidence level will be gone. Now, um... Worth remembering, this is four years ago, but John Collins, at number 19 overall, back in 2017, he was supposed to be gone by the time the Hawks picked. In fact, Travis Schlenk was surprised, pleasantly so, that John was still available. And I didn't talk about him a ton before that draft because I thought he was going to be gone by the top 14 or 15. So there are often surprises. It would not stun me if somebody fell. But I'm trying to at least give you some realistic projections at this point in time. And, uh, you know, again, somebody could fall. But at 20, and also the Hawks have a couple of sweeteners if they wanted to go up a pick or two. But for now, we'll just sort of assume they're going to stay at 20. The guy who I think is sort of the pivot point is Jalen Johnson of Duke. There are enough mocks that have him falling to 20 that I wouldn't rule it out. Um, I think I would be surprised if he, did, if he didn't uh, go before 20. But he has a couple of, you know, interesting evaluation points. I think he's very talented. I think he's a lottery talent, basically. But I've seen him drop enough to where I will put him sort of in his own mini tier here as a guy who I think could slip to 20 realistically, but also I don't, I don't think should. So if the Hawks could take him at 20, that'd be a heck of a value, but keep him in mind too. So that's, that's 16 guys. From there, again, their number six, number six overall pick is a lot more certain than number 20. I'll just say that right now. So we'll say some names here. Like 
by position to at least keep an eye on. This is, these are not in any order. I want to stress that. These are not in any order right now. I'm just going to name some guys at each position that I think will at least be somewhat in evaluation play for the Hawks at 20. So in terms of lead guards, point guards slash lead guards, you have Sharif Cooper, you have Trey Mann, Cam Thomas of LSU, you have Jared Butler of Baylor, Miles McBride, and Bones Highland. Those guys are all, at least for me, you know, first-round grades um, to varying levels. They're different players for sure, but they're all sort of that lead guard archetype. Then you have some combo guards that are more closer to two guards for me, but someone guys who have some equity in the backcourt. Jaden Springer of Tennessee, Io Desunmu of Illinois, Josh Christopher of Arizona State, Josh Josh Primo, uh, sorry, Josh Primo of Alabama, and also Cam Thomas, who I said before, could be more in this group potentially. He's more of a scorer. We can get into that later on, but that's a bunch of names in the backcourt. Then on the wing, Zaire Williams of Stanford as a one-and-done guy, former five-star. Chris Duarte is the opposite of that from Oregon, an older wing. Uh, Trey Murphy of Virginia, Kessler Edwards of Pepperdine, maybe even BJ Boston, who his star fell a lot this year at Kentucky, but you know a year ago was supposed to be a top five pick in this class. Then they have some like combo forwards, maybe fours like Usman Garuba or Roko Prakachin. I'm not sure how to say his name, so my apologies. JT Thor, those guys could all be in play at this point in time. And then a couple of uh, more pure bigs, Isaiah Jackson and Dayron Sharp. For me, I would not draft those guys at 20 for the Hawks because of what I said before. Those guys are centers. Um, and for me, those are reasonable guys in the top 25, top 30. So it's not it's not really an evaluation of those guys. But if I'm the Hawks, I'm not drafting either one of them at number 20 overall. But we just want to mention them because they are definitely you know worthy of consideration in this range, just not necessarily for the Hawks in my view. So with all of those names said, I will go through a couple of guys now, um, sort of brief, brief, brief look-aheads to these players. Um, in the backcourt, I said this before on Twitter even today, I think there's a natural inclination to look at these guys because the Hawks, if they have one weakness on the roster right now, it is backup point guard. Everywhere else on the team, they don't really have a glaring hole except for that. So I understand the mock draft inclination to go there. I wouldn't uh, trap myself into definitely taking a lead guard. But on the other side, there are a bunch of lead guards available that would be reasonable picks. So that kind of is a perfect storm to why and when and and how you'll see all these point guards mocked to the Hawks at number 20 overall. Um, I actually have Sharif Cooper the highest rated in a vacuum of these guys that I laid out in this range um, at number 20 overall. The question there is that he is small and he can't really shoot right now. So he's not a greatest fit with Trey Young on this roster. I do like him a lot. He's a fantastic uh, creation prospect as a ball handler, as a passer. He's very, very quick. Um, The questions there would be his shot and his defense, but he'd be the archetype where yeah, it's not a great fit, but he's also, I think for me, a prospect that I would be willing to bet on in terms of an upside thing. The question is if you would be able to play enough to flourish without you know, playing him next to Trey would be a question mark, etc. So an interesting evaluation there. Also local guy. I like Sharif a lot. It's just not the number one spot that I'd like to see him in for his own sake. It's probably not Atlanta, but still he would be an interesting um, thought experiment for the Hawks. Uh, Trey Mann is also protected of the Hawks. He's about you know 6'4", 6'5". More of a combo, but I think more of a lead guard in some respects. You can see him function with Trey down the line because he's got, got enough size for that. Jared Butler is less sexy from Baylor. I like him a lot, and uh, at number 20, you'd be a reasonable pick for sure. There is one question, though, in that the NBA flagged him for a medical reason at the Combine, so I'm not sure what's going to happen there. If all that checks out, I would like him as a combo guard type that can shoot it, he can defend, he can get you into your stuff, and maybe play with Trey long-term. Um, and then McBride and Highland are both first-round types for me. I don't think I would probably lean to either of them at number 20 overall, but I think both would be perfectly reasonable at 20 overall as backup point guard types. Um, combo guards, Jaden Springer's a guy I like a lot. I think he'd be a good pick at 20. Um, kind of a weird offensive year at Tennessee. 
But his defense is pretty intriguing, and he has some pedigree. I think he's a lottery-type talent if he can figure it out the, figure out the offense. Um, from there, uh, I'm not quite as high on Io DeSumo as some are. I don't really get the notion that he's a lead guard, which I've heard some. But he definitely is an effective scorer, good athlete. I think 20 would be a totally fine pick um, for him. Uh, with Io, I've seen him in the lottery some. I don't really like that necessarily, but I think 20 would be totally fine for him. Uh, Josh Christopher and Cam Thomas are very different players, but both guys are scorers. Big time, like score first, score second, score third kind of guys. Christopher is more of a wing, but his jump shot is a question, whereas Thomas can really, really shoot it. Neither neither guy fits my favorite archetype because they're both like you know pure scorers that don't do a ton else right now, but both guys are really talented. So if you, if you want an upside, you could certainly argue that Christopher and Thomas would be higher on this list than I probably have them, but given where the Hawks are, I'm not sure I love that necessarily, but listen, you can bet on the talent. Christopher, in particular, um, is more of a wing type, and if he ever figures out, figures out a shoot, look up, look out, because he'll be a, a pretty scary scorer. Um, on the wing, I mentioned Zaire Williams before. He had kind of a night year, nightmare season for Stanford this year, but a guy who was supposed to be a lottery pick a year ago, five-star prospect, has a ton of tools, more of a long-term bet, but I would definitely think about him at 20 if he was still there. Chris Duarte of Oregon is the exact opposite of that. He's 24 years old already, but he is the rare combination in this class that could actually play now. I think probably play pretty well. Now for Atlanta, maybe that's not a huge concern because he's a wing and they don't really have a glaring wing, a glaring wing need, but I like Duarte a lot. The age is a concern, but he checks a ton of boxes as a role player that I definitely like, so I would not rule him out by any means. And then you get into Trey Murphy and Kessler Edwards. Might be a little bit high at 20 for those guys, but Murphy I like a lot in terms of his jump shot. Edwards has a weird shooting motion, but he's a good defender. I like him a lot as well, so they could do worse than either one of those guys at 20 overall. So if you're getting the drift here, there's lots of options that I think would be at least semi-reasonable at 20. Um, Usman Garuba is a guy that I love defensively. He might be the best defensive prospect in the entire class outside of Evan Mobley. He's a very, very, very good defender. Um, the problem is he's like a 6'8" power forward type that offensively I'm not really sure what you get out of him so that's why he's in this range instead of higher up but a, a very fun prospect defensively and might be interesting if you can figure out a plan for him on offense and then as I said before the centers not really worth talking a ton about other than the world in which Evan Mobley drops which he's not going to do the only guy that I would consider though at center is Kai Jones so uh, this is interesting because he is a high upside play he's 6'11 He's a monster athlete. He's fluid. He might shoot it, I think, long-term. I wouldn't go out of my way to like trade up for Kai Jones because of where the Hawks are right now with the Kongwu on their roster. But at 20, if Kai Jones fell to you, A, it would be a great value because I have him personally in my lottery. And beyond that, he does a lot of things well enough to where you could see him being a super high-ceiling prospect and also potentially playing with uh, a Kong Wu down the line. Again, this is a future-facing exercise. But Jones is the rare guy in this class where if he actually fell to 20, I'd have to think about it. Uh, he is a center. I wouldn't love that value proposition, but I think because of the talent that he brings, you got to think about it at 20 overall. Um, Jalen Johnson, I mentioned before, but Jalen Johnson is a very, very interesting prospect, more of a combo forward type, but has some ball skills. I like Jalen Johnson a lot. I think if he is at 20, he becomes my favorite prospect I think he'll be gone just quite frankly at this moment in time I think these I think there will be a team that bets on the pedigree and the talent there but if there's enough mixed stuff with him that you don't love it uh, maybe he falls at 20 and I would definitely snap him up at 20 I like that a lot I think he's one of my top you know 13 14 guys in this class for me um and then Jackson and Sharp I talked about before I would not take but it's not because I don't like those guys they're just pure centers and they're not quite the upside bets that Kai Jones are so after all of that 
I know I've said a lot in a short period of time, but the moral of the story is for the Hawks this year, I would go best available player and basically best available player that's not a center. Um, and even the Kai Jones, maybe I would, I would shoehorn in there. So there are a lot of guys, I would say probably 12 to 15 players that I think would be reasonable picks at number 20 overall for the Hawks. I will certainly sort of form my opinions and share them with you as to who I prefer out of those guys. That's part of, kind of my role here. But at the same time, I would stress this is not a situation where I'm going to have a huge problem with the majority of options that the Hawks have in the class. Now, I'll, I'll tell you if I have if there's a reacher guy or whatever happens, I may not have a preference. But they could do a lot here, and it's a good situation to be in. Obviously, the Hawks have a great situation overall, and that they're talented and young and deep. But that also opens the board up for them quite a bit here, where they don't have to pick a certain guy. I know the temptation is to look at the backcourt, and I get it. But if they if they think Trey Murphy or if they think Zaire Williams is better than those guys, they should take a non-point guard if they think that somebody else is better. So, yeah, that's a natural spot to focus on because there's nobody behind Trey. There hasn't, hasn't been anybody. But I think for next year in particular, they'd be better off going with a veteran at backup point guard. Even if they were to draft Trey Mann or draft Miles McBride or whoever you want to say, I, would, I will still argue the day after that the Hawks need to do something else at backup point guard for next year because it's not fair to that player and also to the roster itself to roll into the season banking on a rookie to be in the rotation at that spot for a team that's trying to win 50-plus games and go back to the conference finals. So long story short, we'll have plenty of draft content, but I want to set the table here a little bit with my own thoughts. I have some guests lined up. I'm not going to tip their names off until later on. When I've recorded with them, I try to do that so that nobody feels any pressure, but I have four, five, six names um, of people that I've already talked to about slots to record. Some of them will be two-part episodes, etc. So we'll have plenty of content in the next two and a half weeks. Please subscribe to the podcast. I really love the draft. That's, thing, that's something I, uh, hope, I hope comes through here, but obviously a short timeline this year after about an, a year-long cycle last year. Uh, we have about three weeks. So uh, stay tuned for much, much more on the podcast. Also check out last week's shows featuring especially the two-part episode that I did with Tower Jones, friend of the podcast. That's definitely up on the same feed as for now. But please subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, and we'll see you all next time.